Well, hello, my good friends, and welcome to episode number one of the Fit Archer podcast. And man, is it about time. Finally, I'm sitting down recording my very first podcast. My name is J.P. Penscover, and I am the host of the Fit Archer podcast. You know, this first episode, what I wanted to do is just kind of take some time out here and do a little bit of an introduction into who I am, what is the Fit Archer, who is J.P. Penscover anyway, and what business does he have doing a podcast? And I'll tell you, when I say the word finally, it's finally here. That's because this is a couple years in the making. And that's the honest to God truth. You know, I have uh, I have been talking about doing a podcast. I talked about doing a YouTube channel. Um, you know, I don't possess a a ton of knowledge when it comes to archery or fitness. And, and I'll get into the name Fit Archer and I'll talk about what the what the podcast is going to be and what it's not going to be and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, if you look at the the uh, you know my signage or my art, you're going to see a in a guy pulling back a bow, a muscular guy, and you're going to think it's called the Fit Archer, so it's got to be about fitness and archery, right? So this guy must have a ton of information on fitness and a ton of information on archery, and so I want to break that down for you and just kind of share with you who I am and um, what you can expect out of the Fit Archer podcast and what you what you shouldn't expect. Um, so who is JP Penscover? That's, that's who I am. I'm the man behind the microphone, so to speak. I'll be the host of every Fit Archer podcast that, uh, that drops here. <clears throat> 44 years old. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, born and raised in great Wisconsin. So I'm a Midwestern guy. I lived there for 38 years, both my wife and I, my wife is one year older than I am. So I'm a happily married man. My wife and I have three amazing amazing children. I mean that. And, um, I, I really, really mean that we, of course we love our children. Of course we think our children are amazing. Everybody does, but, uh, just blessed is, is the best way that I can say it. So at this time, uh, where we're at right now, I have a 15 year old son, 13 year old daughter and 11 year old son. And man, do I hope that they take after, um, I hope they, they kind of follow in my footsteps and, and have a passion for the outdoors, have a passion for fitness, have a passion for some of the other stuff that I'm going to talk about here today. But, you know, the Lord has blessed us in ways that uh, we could never repay back when it comes to our children, our marriage. And But six, uh, let me think, seven, eight years ago now, my wife and I were tired of the winter. Actually, my wife was, she was tired of Wisconsin winters. We visited Phoenix, Arizona, and, and we fell in love with it in one week. So March of 2013, we visited some friends that lived out here in Phoenix. And by July of that year, we had uprooted our family. My oldest son was eight years old at that time and uh, made the big, great leap down to Southwest into Phoenix, Arizona. And we have absolutely loved it and really believe that Phoenix, Arizona is home for us. Um, I'll get into some hunting here in a little bit, my background when it comes to hunting, but I had been out West every, every single year, multiple times a year, sometimes hunting and chasing animals. And now that I live here, I just it would be hard to go back, although I do miss, uh, you know, Midwestern rut, whitetail hunting, and, and I do get an opportunity to go back there, but there's something about that too. So you kind of take the good with the bad, and and uh, I think I just, for my family and I, we found more good here, and so this is home for us. So that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an, you get what you see, I am who I am kind of guy. That's how this podcast will be. I'm, I'm my, my, uh, 
vocabulary is not the greatest. I'm, you know, I, I think, and when it came to vocabulary class and English class, when I was in high school, I was dreaming about hunting and uh, dreaming about sports and those kind of things. So I didn't pay a lot of attention. So I'll have some grammatical errors. My wife will listen to the podcast and she will, uh, she'll cringe a little bit and she'll be like, why'd you say that? <laughs> you know, it's just, I am who I am. I don't fake it. I don't try to be somebody that I'm not whether I'm interviewing somebody or I am uh, just talking and doing a podcast all on my own. Cause I'll have some of those as well. It's just, you're going to get you, what you see is what you get. Um, so that's who I am. Uh, but I'm a man of conviction and passion. I get very passionate about things that, um, that I, that I enjoy, you know, my family I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about, uh, my faith, you know, I'm passionate about fitness. I'm passionate about outdoors I'm passionate about my kids I'm passionate about sports. I'm like every other guy in America. You know, I'm like, I'm the guy, I'm the happily married guy, loves his family, loves sports, loves the outdoors. I'm, I'm like every other outdoorsman that's out there. I love the outdoors, but uh, I also, you know, I have a, um, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is one of the most important things in my life. And it's been the most life impacting thing in my life. And, and I'm not afraid to share that. And that'll be shared on, on multiple podcasts. And of course, I don't share that to preach or to shove any um, religion or uh, particular faith down anybody's throat. It's just, again, it's you get what, what you get, what you see is what you get when it comes to me. And so in my conversations with people, you'll hear me say things like, I, I feel blessed. The Lord blessed me this. The Lord blessed me that. That's in no way to offend anybody if you don't believe what I believe. Um, you know, it's just, again, I am who I am. And, and uh, the Lord, I, I do feel the Lord has blessed us. The moment that I entered into a personal relationship with, with Jesus in 2002, my life was radically um, changed. And, uh, you know, at some, some podcasts in the future, I'll get into who JP was prior to 2002, but, um, I am honored and proud of who the Lord has made me from 2002 on. Um, and I, and I'm very, very thankful for that. So of course there'll be elements of that in the podcast, because when it comes to the fit archer, I'll, let me explain that real quick. Obviously there'll be a lot of elements about archery. Um, I am an archer. If you ask me, what is my style? of hunting, I would tell you it's archery, but I have no problem picking up a gun. I, matter of fact, I own a lot of guns. My, we were getting in the safe the other day, my sons and I, because my sons had a javelina tag, a rifle javelina tag out here in Arizona, youth tag. And I opened it up and of course they've seen my safe before, but I don't keep it open. And I opened up our big uh, gun safe and my son says, man, dad, we got a lot of guns. And so it's, I always find it funny. People say, you got a lot of guns. Cause I've been known as an archery hunter since I've been little, my wife said that to me the other day. She goes, you know, always growing up, my wife and I grew up together. She goes, you were always considered my brother, myself and my friend, John, were always considered the hunters in our whole entire high school. Every, you know, growing up, that's what we were considered. We were considered the hunters. Um, so I've, I've acquired a lot of guns over the years and some of them have never been shot in my safe. Some very, very expensive guns that I can't wait to get in my hands and get a good gun tag one day. But if I had my choice, I would much rather pick my bow up and chase animals all over America and some other countries as well. So, yes, there's going to be some archery stuff, but there's also going to be uh, fitness type stuff. And to me, fitness is my here's my tagline. We are the Fit Archer podcast and it's all hunting, all fitness, all the time. So the all, all hunting is going to talk a lot about archery. We'll have great guests on here to break down archery, and we'll talk about tips, tactics, and gear, and we'll do all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about 
ways to better hunt, you know, every animal in, in North America. We'll have all those guests on here. But we'll also, I'm not just going to keep it to arch, archery hunting because I think as as outdoorsmen and women, we truly need to band together better. You know, you see, uh, I think a lot of the great social media influencers that are in the hunting industry have done a really good job with their voice because they have such a platform voicing the need to stay close together as outdoors men and women. And uh, instead of pulling apart and saying, oh, you're, you're, you're for the gun hunting squad, you're for the archery squad, maybe you're the pistol squad, muzzleloader squad, or whatever it is, we all got to, uh, you know, kind of band together and, and stay tight because we have an uphill battle. There's, there's less and less people getting in the outdoors than ever before. And if we we lose that voice, you know, we're going to lose a lot of fights and we're going to lose rights and we're going to lose opportunities to hunt. And, and they're few and far between as it is, as many of you know. So um, we'll, we'll have our uh, gun hunters on here, archery hunters on here. We'll have trappers on here. I have a, uh, my only brother is a uh, unbelievable trapper. He is a trap and fool in Wisconsin. He traps every animal out there and I'm mesmerized by it. And I'll talk about why I'm doing this podcast here in a minute, and it'll, it'll speak into that. But we're also going to talk about fitness. So all hunting, all fitness, all the time. The all fitness aspect is this. Of course, we'll talk about fitness and conditioning and strength and you know power and all that kind of stuff. You know, the new archer today or the new outdoorsmen and women today, they really become an athlete. If you look at, again, just look at the social influence, influencers that are in this industry um, they've brought a, a great, um, what do I want to say? They've really educated a lot of people or inspired a lot of people when it comes to fitness. And so of course I'm going to talk about that. Fitness is one of my biggest passions and I'll get to that here in a second, but there's also other ways to be fit. You know, you got physically fit, but there's also being spiritually fit, emotionally fit, financially fit. The one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to box myself in a corner and only talk about fitness when it comes to to conditioning because how many episodes can you really do on talking about different ways to get conditioned you know yeah, there's different modalities that are out there but it's it's all we're all going to be talking about conditioning and you know that can really lose its uh, appeal and i really believe that but i have some amazing friends in my life that are some of the most solid spiritual mentors you could ever ask for i have people in my life that they have got it nailed down when it comes to finances. They've got it nailed down when it comes to family and being uh, fit in your family, when it, you know, loving and uh, discipline and all those kind of things. And, and so, you know, there'll be times where we veer off a little bit of the um, physical fitness and conditioning and archery, and we get into some of those episodes that that I feel will bring you, the listener, some value. Um, and, and let me let me just explain that for a minute. Why am I podcasting? I'll tell you that. Uh, if you were to go back and ask my high school teachers, they would tell you, no, JP is not a good listener. Matter of fact, he's probably got ADD, ADHD. You know, he's, he's, he's all over the board. He didn't listen in school. That's why he didn't do so great. Um, <clears throat> but I'm very, very interested in people. And I'm interested in, in you know, when it comes, let's just use the, uh, the outdoor industry for, for an example. I am so interested in getting, you know, people on the podcast and hearing their story. I want to hear from a manufacturer that, you know, never had an idea in their life. And all of a sudden, you know, whether God gave them the idea or somehow they were they were uh, blessed with an idea and they created a product in the industry that's revolutionized the archery industry or the the, the, the firearms industry. 
Um, maybe it's fitness. You know, I'm really, really interested in people. So if you were to follow me around and we entered into a, let me say a, a networking event, I would be listening. I wouldn't even be, if we, we entered in a networking event based on a certain business, I wouldn't even be talking to people about that business. I just love to listen to people about their lives. And, and that's why I want a podcast. I love talking to people. And if I'm interested in people, I know you're interested in people. And if there's a way that I can get information out of somebody that will help benefit my life and further my life down the road a little bit, why wouldn't I want to talk to them? So I know if it'll further my life and benefit my life, it could do the very, very same for you. So why wouldn't I invite you into a conversation like that and let you get a chance to hear from some of these people? And it's not always going to be big time social media people or big time people from you know whatever industry it is. There's a lot of amazing people in America today that you and I would never know about. They're not looking for fame. They're not looking for notoriety. They're not looking to be influencers, yet they live impeccable, inspirational lives. And to get a, 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 you know, a husband or a wife or a, you know, a couple on a, on a podcast that can just share what's working for them, whether it's the outdoors or fitness or spiritual whatever it is, it's going to be a, it's going to be a blessing. So that's why I'm doing it because I'm generally interested in people. I love listening to conversations. I love listening to podcasts. One of my favorite podcasts is the Tony Robbins podcast. When, you know, I just, I always scroll down through there and I listen to all the different uh, guests that he has on there. And I'm just, I'm mesmerized by people. And so, you know, that's why I want to do the, uh, the podcast. That's why it's called the fit archer, all hunting, all fitness, all the time. Now, the all the time part is because I like to talk and you'll find that out. You know, as I watch the clock tick 13 minutes already into my very first intro podcast, I'm like, how can I get this done in 30 minutes or less when I haven't even covered basically what I want to cover yet? So that's who I am. My name's JP. I will be the host. Why I'm doing it? Because I'm interested in people and I want to share the I want to share those people with you. Um, and that's what you can expect. You can expect a, a broad spectrum of topics. And of course, I know how podcasts go. You'll listen to some, you won't listen to others. You'll share some and you won't share others. And But what I can tell you is my thankfulness and my gratefulness towards any listener that listens to any podcast, even if it's one minute of a podcast, um, is, is very, very high. I'm very thankful and very grateful if you take an opportunity to listen and if you take an opportunity to share it, because I do believe we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, We'll share some value here one way or the other. It, it might not always be through me, but we'll have some great guests on here that will. Let me give you a little bit of my fitness journey. Um, you know, the one thing I don't have, I want to be honest with you when it comes to this, I don't have any titles or um, letters behind my name to prove that I got some fitness knowledge or prove that I got archery knowledge when it comes to talking about those or prove that I have any spiritual knowledge anything like that. But I've really learned this in life. And I had a gentleman say this one time from a, from a stage at a conference I was listening to. He says, you can, you can get a master's degree in college and still flunk life. And I thought that was profound. I thought that was some amazing wisdom that was shared on me that day. And, and I believe it because I could, I could come to you with all of the accolades and all of the letters behind my name when it comes to strength and conditioning and a doctorate and all that stuff. And I could flunk life, meaning I could have all the knowledge in the world, but if I'm not applying it, 
it's useless. All the knowledge in the world without application is just, it's, it's pointless. We need to apply the knowledge that we get. What I do have is experience. Like I said at the beginning here, I'm 44 years old, which is crazy to think. I remember when my dad was in his 40s and I looked at him and I'm like, man, dad, you are so old because I was in my teens yet. I was 19, 18, I think when my dad was 41, 42, something like that. And I just remember thinking how old he was. How, how in the world did my dad get 42 years old? Well, here I am today, February 1st, 2020, and I'm 44 years old. In two months, I'm going to be 45 years old. I have a 15-year-old son already. I'm like, man, time flies. So I say all that because I have experience in the fitness industry. I sometimes wake up and wonder why in the world does my body ache the way that, why do my shoulders and my low back ache the way that they do? Well, I've been working out for 30 years, for 30 years. I have 30 years of experience in the fitness industry. And that doesn't mean 30 years in ex of experience um, studying fitness or trying to read about fitness, 30 years of immersing myself in fitness and figuring out ways that I can get stronger leaner, fitter, faster, bigger, whatever, you know, mode I'm in for that year. So at 14 years old, I started a, a serious workout program. I was very fortunate when I was young that I had family members that were into working out. Matter of fact, I had some cousins, um, one of which who was into bodybuilding and he kept all his equipment at my grandma's house. And we spent a lot of time at my grandma's house in the summer and my cousin would be there bodybuilding. And so when he would leave, we would go down and we'd play with the weights. I, I thought my cousin, was he was big and muscular. I, that was neat. So he had a pull-up bar. He had some old weights, a little bitty weight set. And so we'd monkey around on it. When we were young, down to 10 years old, we were doing bicep curls and bench press and pull-ups and handstand push-ups, climbing a rope, doing all those very, very functional type things, bodybuilding style and functional um, fitness at the same time. At 14 years old, is when, you know, my life really got serious about working out. And I say got serious about working out, just really got on a program. We had a football coach. His name is Mike Take. Um, he owns Yogi's Rods and Reels on Facebook. He makes his own fishing poles. Very, very good ones, I understand. So you can look him up on Facebook. And if I could ever repay him by getting in some business somehow, I would love to. So look up Yogi's Rods and Reels on Facebook. And if you're a fisherman or fisherwoman, Everybody that uses him says his fishing poles are the best, but he came to our high school and he was ahead of the time. I don't even know if he really knows this. I've never told him this, but I believe he was so far ahead of the time when it came, when it came to working out that in the summer, like my eighth grade summer, before I became a freshman, if you wanted to play freshman football, you had to have, he, he demanded you to have so many hours in the weight room at our high school in order to, to play football. So you had to, you know, you had to at least get in once, uh, two or three times a week. Well, we, I don't, I don't think if he had that program, we would have done it. The other thing he did that was that we had this little bitty weight room in the corner of our high school. I mean, it wasn't probably a hundred square feet. It was tiny. He started to, to do lift-a-thons. This is, this is excellent. He would, uh, he did a bench press meet in the middle of the gymnasium one night. And so a couple months prior to that, he would have the guys that were going to bench press a certain amount of weight or any weight for that matter, go get pledges. So you may, they, you know, like I may go to my parents and say, I'm going to try to bench press, you know, as a freshman, I was 88 pounds. So I might try to bench press 125 pounds. Would you pledge 
a dollar a pound or 50 cents a pound. And so had all of the football players do that. And every penny that was raised, he put back into uh, making a better weight room. And so by the time I was a sophomore, we had a really, really great weight room. Now I go back to the high school. It's amazing at what they've created there. So I got into, you know, lifting weights at an early age and, and then I got out of high school, went to college. And, you know, this is for another podcast. I'll, I'll talk about my, my career and lack thereof. Um, but as I got into the workforce and, and got out of college, you know, working out was just part of my everyday routine. So I've been everywhere from bodybuilding, uh, sport, uh, you know, sports specific conditioning, strength and conditioning to different modalities. I got into kettlebells. I was certified. I was teaching and training kettlebells. I was an RKC, uh, Russian kettlebell certified at one point back in 2008. I've done uh, Pilates. I've done hot yoga. I've took spin class and CrossFit. That's kind of the modality that I'm, that I'm immersed in the most now. So, man, I've been around the block when it comes to fitness. So, you know, 30 years of experience can sometimes trump as many letters behind your name as you want. You know, somebody coming out of school today, they got all the fancy uh, titles and all that kind of stuff. And of course, those people are incredibly intelligent. And they have a lot of information to share. And I only say that to let you know that, you know, I may not have a doctorate behind my name, but I have a lot of experience when it comes to fitness and, and have helped a lot of people over the years. And it's one of my big passions. I'm very, very passionate. At 44 years old, I stay in very good shape and I'm not, I'm not bragging or boasting or anything like that, but I range between that eight, nine percent body fat without any dieting whatsoever. I do not believe in dieting. I do different things to I cut things out, but I don't do any sort of diet whatsoever. I just eat what I would say clean. And I know there's no scientific nutritional fitness definition of the word clean, but to me, clean just means not fast food, no you know, very, very limited processed foods. And we eat a lot of whole foods. Um, I, you know, just, I eat very, very good. And so I can stay in very, very good shape where I'm at right now. And, and at 44 years old, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. So, um, we'll bring some knowledge there. And of course it's going to be other guests that come on and, and share their knowledge about what they're doing and what works. And, you know, if you have questions, obviously you'll be able to it'll point you in the right direction to reach out to people and get all the information that you're going to need. I love fitness though. Um, one thing that I get a lot is I get the word genetics all the time. And I want to talk about that real quick here. People will say, well, JP, of course you do. You have really, really good genetics. And genetics play a, a, a big part when it comes to fitness. There's no question about that. But I do believe there comes a point or an age in someone's life where genetics just, you can basically throw them out the window my genetics are this. I'm a smaller guy. I'm a hundred and or I'm usually I'm about 175 pounds. Let me say that's an average. Sometimes I'm at 180. Lately I've been down to 172. So let's say I'm an average 175 pounds. I'm five foot eight. So my genetics are smaller. I don't have um, big bones. You know, I have a little bit, I have a little waist. I wear a 30 to 31 inch waist. So a small waist. But I could tell you that if I do not work out. If I quit working out, if I just quit eating good and clean and healthy and just let my body go, I could become obese just as easy as anybody else could. So, yes, I have genetics that keep me smaller, but it doesn't mean that I'm always going to be just a, you know, a skinny guy and muscles. That, that doesn't, that's not what it at all. That doesn't, that's not what that means at all. 
What I tell people is this, there is an extreme benefit to starting workout early in life. Again, I just told you my story started as, you know, a, a consistent workout program at 14 years old. I had a gentleman say to me one time, he said, oh, JP, you're just so lucky. You could eat pizza all day long and you don't even gain any weight. And I'm over here. If I look at pizza, I gain 10 pounds. You just got good genetics. And so I said to the individual, he's, I think, 36 years old. I said, uh, hey, buddy, how long have you been working out? And he said, well, what do you mean? I'm like, when did you start working out like seriously? And he was an athlete in high school, didn't really work out much. He goes, about three years ago, I really got serious about it. I said, okay, so you've been working out for three years. You started working out as an adult. So at 32 years old, you started to work out, eat good. And of course, he's, he's in good shape, but he's not super ripped and lean like he wants to be and, and struggles to keep his body there. Um, if he lets his diet go at all, he starts to put on some body fat. And kind of thought it was just because of genetics. And of course, genetics play a role in it, like I said. But I told him, I said, okay, let's let's back up. I'm 44 years old. I started 30 years ago. 30 years ago. That is a huge difference. You just have to understand when you when you start something and you create a habit, you you have muscle memory, you have rewiring. Uh, the the internal code of your body, what your how your body responds to everything, the amount of muscle that you have, the density of your muscle, the density of your muscle fibers, all of that make a difference based on the the length of time that you've been working out. So of course, um, you know somebody looks at me and says, "Well, you're just lucky. You're just a smaller person." Well, yeah, I'm, I consider myself blessed, not necessarily lucky, because it doesn't matter if I was given great genetics or not great genetics. The hard work is the hard work. It doesn't matter what, what you want to do or where you want to go in, in fitness. If you're going to do something, you've got to put in the hard work. There's no getting around it whatsoever. No getting around it. So I bring a wealth of experience and I'll share some of that with you over the, over the future of the podcast. So let me talk about my my outdoor journey. This is something that, uh, man, as I think about it, I'm a I'm a passionate person. Sometimes when I get talking about, you know, growing up and how I grew up, again, feel extremely blessed to have a dad that raised me in the outdoors. And not everybody has that. Um, matter of fact, I'm, I'm thinking of a podcast that will have um, one of the very first podcasts that we'll have from an individual that was not raised in the outdoors, but since has married into a family that has um, blessed his socks off and he's become one of the greatest outdoorsmen I've ever been around. His name's Nick DeVaca, one of my one of my best friends, and he'll be on one of the one of the future podcasts here real soon, real soon. But I remember as a young boy, my dad coming home from bow hunting. And have you ever heard of the word scent um, associations? Me scent associations. You smell something, and that that smell is associated with something. You know, if you've ever played football, whether it was in high school, you know, high school or even into college, and for some of you, probably even further, and you're on a good fall day and you go out and mow the lawn or your neighbor mows the lawn, you smell that grass. Does it not just always remind you of high school football? It does to me. I didn't play football past high school. Every time I smell grass that's been cut in the fall, all I think of is high school football. That's it. Well, my scent association when it comes to hunting is a skunk. And hopefully you all know what a skunk is. Um, in the Midwest, they're all over the place. We see there's a few of them here in Arizona. We don't see them as, 
as regular, but my dad used to use skunk cover scent and he would come in from bow hunting and I was just a little boy. I mean, I'm four or five years old and his face would be painted black and he'd have his old bow and you used to have to keep him in a case and he'd smell like skunk. And I loved it because I just looked up to my dad. He was my hero. And I'd see him come in the door and I'd be like, oh, I just want to get around him. And he had this old bow. And you know, I just want to give you a visual here as you listen to this podcast. His old bow had one of the string trackers on it. Some of you are not even going to know what that is, but it's almost like a, a, like a fishing reel. It was a fishing reel where your stabilizer would go. And there was like kite string on it and it was attached to the tip of your arrow. When you shot, if you hit the deer, it would pull the string out. And so it was supposed to help you track the deer. It never worked because my dad never came home with any deer. And sometimes, you know, the string broke and all that kind of stuff. But he would bring that scent home. And and uh, now still today, 44 years old, if I drive by and there's a dead skunk or I smell a skunk, it takes me right back to my kitchen steps waiting for my dad to get home. And man, I am so thankful for that because there's a lot of kids, a lot of boys and girls that never had that opportunity. You know, for me, uh, my dad kind of raised us up small game hunting in Wisconsin and, and small game hunting just holds a special place in my heart because it's a lot of really, really great memories there. I remember it just think back opening weekend of Wisconsin squirrel hunting season. And we'd get up early on a Saturday morning, mid-September. It'd be nice, beautiful weather. And we'd head out to the woods. My, my uh, had some family members that owned some property. And so they had 300 acres we'd squirrel hunt. My dad would get camel on. I'd get whatever camel my dad could, you know, scrounge together that would fit us kids. And my brother and I would go out and we would just walk behind my dad, our hero. You know, he's carrying a gun. And my brother, I, could, I just remember this. My brother and I, you know, kind of, fighting the who could be the one walking behind my dad so my dad would be walking he'd turn around he'd be like Shh, boys quiet down and i can now that i take my own boys hunting i know exactly what he's talking about like how i can't imagine how loud my brother and i were always fighting to you know if my dad took a right on a little cow trail and was head right and i was behind him i'd try to cut across and get right behind my dad and my brother would elbow me we'd be fighting and then my dad would be mad but Man, I just, I think of all that stuff. And I was probably, you know, six, seven years old when I first started going with my dad. And, you know, every piece of brush in the woods was taller than I was. And at that time of year, the deuce, the dew is all over the grass and all over the underbrush. I'm soaking wet. But I remember going, you know, my dad, he'd shoot a bunch of squirrels and he had his own specific way of squirrel hunting. He taught us um, spot stalk sneaking how to walk I mean I remember him teaching us how to walk quietly it's so funny because last weekend when I was with my oldest boy and we're in the desert javelina hunting I specifically turned around and repeated to him exactly what my dad repeated to me about how you step you know be light on your feet don't don't clod your feet like a like a cow and kick rocks and all that stuff and I was told that oh probably every three steps when we were hunting so a lot of great memories but my dad would shoot a bunch of squirrels. We get to we get to carry them in our little uh, game bags, and then we'd have to go home and learn how to clean them, dress them because we ate everything that we that we harvested, whether we were fishing or hunting. We ate it all. And I remember this specific sto story. I I literally and I, I my dad is a great shot, but I used to think my dad was the greatest shot in the world because when we were finally old enough to hunt ourselves, we started hunting squirrels with twenty twos. 
at a Ruger 1022, greatest gun for a youth to start with. 10 round mag, plop it in, man, the gun never jams, it's accurate. And that's what we would start hunting with. And of course, my dad always said, you have to wait till the squirrel is still, get a rest aim and, and make a good clean shot. And we would, you know, go for a, a lethal shot. I won't explain where, but, but when I was growing up, my dad would shoot squirrels as they're jumping from one tree to the other tree. And I'm like, man, he's a good, he's an unbelievable shot. He's a great hunter. We're getting five squirrels every time out, which is your bag limit. And I went to, I went to school as a young kid. I specifically remember this telling another individual, my dad is the greatest shot in the world. Last weekend on Saturday, we went squirrel hunting and he shot a squirrel that was jumping from one tree to the other. I didn't realize this till I was older. And my brother even told me this. I remember telling my brother, we were probably in our teens by the time I realized this, I think I even razzed my dad for it. But my brother said, well, of course, dad shot all those squirrels. He was using a 12 gauge. Of course, he hit all those squirrels. And I'm like, dad, what are you doing using a 12 gauge? And he, I mean, he didn't have any excuse for it. That's what he used. Um, he used a 22 once in a while. But so that's where I cut my teeth. And, you know, I, I really got interested in bow hunting. My dad kind of just raising kids and, and working hard. Uh, my dad was in the construction and, and traveling a lot of times. Archery hunting wasn't something he could do all the time. But in Wisconsin, it's almost a, it was basically a holiday when I grew up, the nine day rifle season, the gun deer season. There's hundreds of thousands of hunters that hit the woods in blaze orange camouflage in November during the Wisconsin gun deer season. And that was something I looked forward to every single year since I was 12 years old. Really, really loved it. The camaraderie, the fun, the getting together with family, packing a lunch, going out there, staying out all day long. I was a terrible hunter. It took me years before I ever shot my first year, even with a rifle. I was scared of the dark. I was scared to be alone. I was cold, easy. I was always hungry. You know, that's, that's kind of how I grew up. And so my brother would shoot all the deer. He'd shoot them out of my tree stand and my dad would sit in my tree stand. He'd shoot them out of there. And, but that's how, you know, I was raised in, in a lot of gun hunting. And so that's, that's where my um, respect and um, admiration for guns came. I was raised gun hunting, but what I found was with the commercialization of hunting, I would say in the, I graduated high school in 1993, but I'd say around 1994, maybe a little earlier, 92, 93, somewhere around in there, you know, hunting became more commercialized. It was becoming more popular. The quality deer management signs were popping up different places. When we were growing up, you could literally, <clears throat> you could walk and, and hop a line fence and the line fence was a property fence. You could hop over that, go talk to the person that owned the other property you could make deer drives on their property. You could shoot squirrels off their property. Everybody was friends. Everybody got along. But about that early 90s, things started to change a little bit. And now every sign along your property was posted, quality deer management, which is great for the deer herd. Quality deer management is a great program. But the, the hunting changed a little bit. And it became harder and harder to get any permission to hunt if you did not own your own property. And what I found was when I left high school and went to college, uh, getting a place to gun hunt was virtually impossible, literally impossible. Uh, nobody was, because I didn't know anybody. I was, I was living now, my, the college was an hour away from my hometown. And, but what I did find was archery hunting wasn't as popular as it is today. So I was able to 
the way that I got on different properties was I would start tur with turkey hunting, like in the spring. I'd say, hey, would you mind if I turkey hunted? I just use a bow and they'd, most um, landowners didn't like turkeys anyway. It was ruining their crops and all that. So I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and, and you can turkey hunt there. So then I'd come back in the fall and I would ask them, hey, would you mind if I deer hunted your property? And they would always say, well, you know, we save that for our family. So I would ask about archery. And most people would laugh. This is funny because this is just in the in. 1994, 95. And they would say, well, if you want a bow, head, bow hunt, go ahead. You're probably not going to get anything anyway. So I used to get on a lot of property just because I was only a bow hunter. So I realized at that point that using a rifle was harder to get permission. So I just put the rifle away and just started bow hunting. And I became at that point, probably 1994, 95, just mostly a, an archery hunter. Um, so I've been archery hunting since I've been about 13 years old, 14 years old, same I think I got my first bow at 14 years old. So again, I have 30 years of archery experience. Um, I've been able to hunt all over the place, just about every state in the West, up, up to Canada. I've never hunted outside of Canada, um, never hunted outside of America other than just Canada. And uh, But I've had some great success from many, many um, endeavors, from moose hunting to elk hunting to deer hunting, bear hunting, turkey, you know, antelope, you, you name it. Um, just, I, I absolutely love it. So again, I don't, I'm not bringing any kind of expertise other than just 30 years of experience and, and a, an extreme passion for archery hunting. I mean, I shoot my bow every single day as I sit here right now in my office on February 1st, I'm looking around my office and I see papers for, um, two different businesses in the one corner. I have my, um, points that I have for all my the light or the, the different states that I'm applying for. I, my water bottle is, it's, it's a pink hydro flask wrapped in camouflage tape. So I can hide the pink with camel because I think camel is cooler than pink sitting on my Epic Outdoors hunting magazine with my fit archer challenge, uh, flyer to my, my left and my Bowtech hat to my right. I'm in workout pants. Cause I just finished a workout. Uh, I did an archery. I did kind of a fit archer challenge workout did a bunch of, you know, fitness work and, and shot my bow in the meantime, sitting in my Kuyu t-shirt uh, with my camouflage um, silicone ring on. So my life literally is revolves around fitness, hunting, and, you know, I'm sitting in my home, so it revolves around my family. So, you know, just to summarize my very first episode here as an intro is that's who I am. And uh, what I what I plan to bring to you is just stuff that I'm interested in. And I and I think that, you know, for all of us as outdoorsmen and outdoors women, I don't want to leave the females out because that's the that's the uh, the population of outdoorsmen that are growing. So outdoors, the women are getting in the outdoors more than men are right now. So that's a, that's excellent. I think it's excellent. Um, but I'm just hoping to bring you some stuff that you'll like. And I think we're all kind of cut from the same cloth. We're all trying to do the best that we can do, you know, for all of us as dads or moms or, um, enthusiasts of the outdoors or in fitness, you know, there's, there's, there's just, we run into the same things, you know, time, finances, um, resources, all those kind of things. And so I hope to be able to bring all that kind of information to you. But at the end of the day, I want to say this, and I'm going to wrap this up. I hope to bring you some inspiration. I hope that through the stories that you hear, you get inspired uh, you, to do whatever it is you want to do, to be inspired, to hunt further, to 
take a leap of faith and hunt somewhere a different state to try a different weapon, to try a different technique. I don't know what it would be from fitness, whatever inspires you to get in better shape, whatever inspires you to push harder and go further and do all the, the things we know to get more fit, whatever inspires you, hopefully something will inspire you on here to, to have a better faith journey, to a, a stronger spiritual journey that, that connects you deeper to our maker and, and you live a, a, a more a life that you find more significance and meaning in than maybe you currently do now. And that's no knock on anybody. It's, you know, I've, I've been working with people for 18 years. And if there's one overwhelming theme, theme that people go through a lot of times or say is, man, sometimes I just feel like my life doesn't have meaning, like the dots aren't connecting. And I've found that when we couple our faith with whatever it is we do, we start to have meaning because it brings joy to our life in, in less selfishness, more giving, more kindness, more gentleness, um, that kind of thing. But I heard a great friend of mine say this from the stage at a church. He said, hurt people hurt people. And it took me a second to figure it out. And as he um, expanded on that a little bit, he said, you know, when you got people in your life that just they're backbiting or they're they like to spread gossip or do whatever they can do to hurt you. It's typically because they're hurting. Hurt people hurt people. But so the exact opposite is true. Inspired people inspire people. I think one of the greatest things that any of us can do, man, woman, child, whatever, that we could do is to learn to live an inspired life. And if it, you know, if it's if if you can inspire somebody to run further, do it. If you can inspire somebody to pick up a, a, a weapon and get in the outdoors, do it. If you can inspire somebody to go to work on their, their, their personal life, spiritual life, financial life, do it. I think our job at the end of the day is to inspire. And so I hope that the Fit Archer podcast brings a form of inspiration to you. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's, there's hundreds of podcasts in America. What there's not enough of, though, is inspiration. And if you can live inspired, you'll inspire others. So never forget, inspired people inspire people. So if I can bring you any inspiration from the Fit Archer podcast, man, that's a, that's a prayer that I'll be praying every single day. Lord, give this podcast the opportunity to inspire somebody to make positive change in their life. And, and, and then do that to another person. So thank you for listening. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I really, really do. Um, and if you, if you find some value in this, please, please share it with other people. Let's change the world. And if we can only do that through our voice, let's do it through our voice. Um, so God bless you all. Have a great 2020. And we'll see you on the next podcast.